Good evening, Family Church, in particular, Family Church Waterloo Vale. Welcome to Sunday Night Local again. You've got me again. Um, things are a bit busy with Chris working long hours, so um, I'm just in a bit of a mode at the moment. The Lord's just pouring word into my heart, which is fantastic. It's His grace, it's His goodness. That, um, that enables us and empowers us, doesn't it? It's not like I'm here on my own, trying to do this on my own. We have the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is so precious in our lives. I think sometimes we take him for granted. And um, it's something that's, that's very real to me, something that's very, um, it's very sort of real in my life at the moment is the presence of God and to, and to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit at all times. And I'm so aware of how God is just so engaged in the minutest detail of our lives. He's interested in the smallest detail, almost insignificant detail that he's interested in. So um, I've had the sort of the thumbs up from my sound engineer, i.e. Chris, and um, he says, we are live, literally live on um, YouTube. So I'm going to start straight away. And um, if you're looking for a title for a message, um, today's message is, are you on mute? Are you on mute? You know what, 2020, if, if we've got a name, a title for this year, 2020, I think it's got to be known as the year of Zoom. And I think one of the most quotable um, or repeated phrases during this year, during 2020, has got to be, you're on mute, you're on mute. Yeah, you know, when, you, when you're in a meeting and, and, and the person's, and everyone's going, you're on mute, you're on mute. And, um, and it seems that like, this is the first time that we are all experiencing this mute um, experience in life. But actually, do you know what? I want to take us back 2,021 years to the year 1 BC, okay? And we're going to see in the Bible how this expression is used, all right? And I know you're, you're already there. Luke chapter 1 is our, is our scripture. Take some time. There is so much detail in Luke chapter 1. Go and read it. Okay, take your time over it and read it, Luke chapter 1. It's a long chapter, so I'm only going to take out little pieces, but then I'm going to try and just sort of cover, give a bit of an explanation of the background around Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1 is the account of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And for those who are in the know, um, they are the parents of John the Baptist. And um, so if you look at, at, at the first chapter of Luke, you'll see that Zacharias was a priest and his wife Elizabeth actually came from the lineage of Aaron. So she was of a high priestly lineage. So this is a really godly couple. They are a God-fearing couple. And the Bible says that they would walk blameless before the Lord. They had a clear conscience. They did everything according to the law and the requirements. But they had a good heart towards 
God. However, they were childless. And by the time of the account, when the, when the Bible picks up their account, that the Bible says that they are well advanced in years. So assuming she's beyond child, childbearing. And a once in a lifetime appears for Zacharias. Um, they drew lots. Every, every, at, at, uh, we believe that there was a festival that was on at this particular time. There was some kind of a feast going on. And, um, and the, the, the way that it worked was that the priest, would, um, they would draw lots for whichever priest was going to go in and burn incense in the temple. And on this particular occasion, Zacharias, the lot was drawn and Zacharias got sent in to offer up, to burn um, incense in the temple. And the burning of incense actually represented prayer. And what would actually happen, you know, because in the Bible it talks about how the prayer of the saints is as incense. It's like a, the sweet perfume, it's a sweet aroma, the prayers of the saints. There's, revelate, book, um, there's, there's references to this in the book of Revelation. And, but the Bible says that when he went into the temple, what I love is the whole multitude was outside of the temple and they were praying. And I think, man, this is before the New Testament had been written and, and Jesus had preached on the power of agreement. The, these people got it. The priest went into the temple, but they stood outside and they got into agreement. They prayed. And um, just my imagination, but you know what? In Luke chapter 2, we read of two people that, um, that actually come, they get to meet Jesus. And one of these guys is Simeon, who's an old man. And the Holy Spirit had, had promised him that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And there's the prophetess Anna as well, who was a widow woman for 84 years. And um, the Bible says that she committed her life to prayer and fasting. And I'm of the opinion, I can't prove this, this is just Sandy's version, okay? But I'm of the opinion, Simeon and Anna were outside that temple. They were praying, they were praying when um, Zacharias went into that temple. So Zacharias is burning incense when suddenly an angel of the Lord appears before him. And the Bible says he starts fearful. He was fearful and trembling. I mean, when you read about angels in the Bible, please don't think that they are these little baby cherubs. Okay, that's not what, that's not what an angel looks like. Angels are magnificent creatures. They are huge. And um, I think if I was to see, see an angel, I too would be very fearful. And um, so what does the angel say? We pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. We're just going to read those few verses. The angel says to Zacharias, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit 
even from his mother's womb. Wow, amazing. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, before Jesus, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Remember that, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, what a, so, that's full, that is full, packed, full of stuff to unpack. And I've got uh, 20 something minutes left, so I better get a move on. But this is the first time in 400 years that it's recorded that God speaks a fresh word to his people. And what I love is that the angel knows everything about Zacharias. He knows his name. He knows his postcode. He knows his wife's name. He knows that he's going to have a son called John. God is very specific and he pays attention to detail. You know what? Remember this. He knows you. He knows your name. He knows your postcode. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows your dreams that you have. He knows everything about you. The, the angel Gabriel says to, to Zacharias though, he says, your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. Singular. Now hang on, but which one? Zacharias, he was a priest. And you know, in those days, being a priest was a job for life. You know, once you were a priest, you were a priest for life. Zacharias, as a priest, he, I would assume, would have prayed many prayers. And when he went into the temple to burn incense, he would have been praying. And I assume that at this point, that he would be praying for the salvation of the nation of Israel. That's what I, I, would, I would assume, that he would be representing the people to God. And so he would be praying on their behalf. And that would have been his prayer when he went into the temple. But the angel Gabriel says, your prayer, your prayer has been answered. So, this is so amazing. When you think about it, how many years had Zacharias been praying for a son? You know what, maybe he'd even given up asking. Because the Bible says, you know, that, that he was... Um, he was, uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought here. But the Bible says that he was old and um, they were well advanced in years. So I'm assuming he'd been praying this prayer for a son for many, many years and maybe had stopped. You know what? Hope to food makes the heart sick. And you can tell this just by Zacharias's response. Because Zacharias says to the angel, his response to the angel is, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. How shall I know this? In other words, how can I be sure of this for certain? In fact, the message translation says, do you expect me to believe this? I mean, for reason number one, I'm old. Reason number two, my wife is well advanced in years. Maybe. Does this sound familiar to you? Does it ring any bells from somebody else in the Bible? 
and I know you, you're there already, think of Abraham and Sarah. They're another couple. There are so many, so many similarities between these two couples. Abraham and Sarah and Zacharias and Elizabeth. Abraham and Sarah, they were old. They were well advanced in years and they were childless. In fact, when Abraham was 75, God had promised him uh, children as numerous as the stars in the sky. And that, that promise was fulfilled 25 years later. 25 years later. So both couples were old, barren, and well advanced in years. But the difference between Abraham and Sarah and Zacharias and Elizabeth was faith. Abraham and Sarah had that most important entity of faith. In fact, you can read about it in Hebrews 11, that great hall of faith, that hall of fame. Um, Abraham is mentioned there, Sarah is mentioned there, that she, she received strength to conceive by faith. She received strength and um, gave birth to Isaac. So, in other words, there was a precedent that Zacharias could have looked to. He knew that this had happened before. And I mean, he was a priest. It's not like he wouldn't have heard of Abraham. He would have been very aware of the father of faith. But instead, Zacharias chose to look to the circumstances rather than believe God. Zacharias had more faith in Elizabeth's infertility than God's promise. And sometimes we can do the same. We can have more faith in our circumstances than we do in what God is promising to us. Maybe we've got more faith in those, those symptoms, those sickness symptoms. Maybe we've got more faith in that broken relationship that we believe will never be restored or perhaps a financial situation. We'd rather believe in those circumstances than in the promises of God. But we can't base our faith on life's circumstances. Our faith has to be based on the Word of God. And we can't allow our faith to be coloured or tainted with our circumstances or our disappointments. We need to start believing the word above our circumstances. The Bible says in Galatians, don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. Don't give up. Don't give up. I can't pose a question to you tonight. What if the angel Gabriel came and visited you tonight and visited you and and said, you know, I'm the angel Gabriel. What, what would you say? Would you say to him, but I'm an old man? Or, but look at my circumstances. My bank account is overdrawn. I've got sickness symptoms in my body. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too poor. You fill in the blanks. What would you say if the angel of the Lord was to appear to you tonight? You know, sometimes there are times when God's promises are almost too good to be true. And that's what happened here to Zacharias. 
How many years had he been praying and asking God for a son? I don't know how old he was, but it could have been 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. I don't know. And so maybe what the angel was promising him was a step too far for him. He'd been too disappointed. But, and sometimes that can happen to us. That we've experienced a disappointment in our life. And we read a promise of God. God's promising us something. But for us, it's that step too far. But Lord, you don't understand what I've been through. How disappointed I've been. Maybe there is that one prayer of yours that remains unanswered. And perhaps if that angel appeared to you tonight and said that God had sent him to you today and to say that he has heard that prayer and that your up to now seemingly unanswered prayer is about to be answered. Imagine. Maybe you've been standing on a word for years. Maybe you've been standing on a word for 20 years, 30 years, 5 years, 5, five, five days. It doesn't matter. But maybe the Holy Spirit tonight is whispering to you tonight and saying, don't give up. Don't give up. I want to encourage you, don't give up. Don't give up. If ever there was a time for us to press into God, this is it. Stay the course. Don't grow weary. Keep trusting. Keep believing God. Take him at his word. It takes faith to, to, take, to receive God's promises. You know what? It's easy for me to believe God is my provider when my bank account is overflowing with funds, which it's not, okay? But it's easier to, to believe God when, when things are going well. That doesn't require any faith. But can I believe that God is my provider when my job has come to an end and the bank account is drier than the Kalahari Desert? There's nothing in it. But God entrusts us with his promises. Mark 11, 22. Mark 11 is the faith chapter. If you want to go up and brush up a little bit on faith, read Mark chapter 11. And verse 22, it says, have faith in God. In fact, some people have translated that to say, have the God kind of faith. See things from his perspective. Remember, we spoke about that just the other week. See things through the eye of faith. God calls those things that be not as though they are. What are you doing with that promise that God has given to you? Are you calling it as though it be, even though you don't see it with your natural eyes? Just keep trusting God. So Zechariah says to the angel, he says, How shall I know this? I am an old man. How shall I know this? I am an old man. And the angel says, And I am Gabriel. So do we say to God, these are my circumstances. And God's response to us will be, and I'm God. I've made you the promise. Here's my word. You can trust me. So whether you've been waiting 25 years or 25 days or 25 minutes, just know that if God has promised 
If he, God has promised it, he will, it will come to pass. I love what he says. The angel says in Luke 1.13, he says, And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. He, she, he, she will bear you a son. No ifs, no buts, no maybe. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Not Hagar, not another Hagar. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. So, so um, God gives us his best. You know what? He doesn't just give us a, he doesn't try to shut us up. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't say, oh, you know, let me just get rid of this nagging person and give us second best. God gives us his best. He's an excellent God. He really is. He's, he's so excellent. But we pick up the account with Zacharias when he said, I'm an old man. And the angel answered and says to him, I'm Gabriel, remember that, I'm Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and to bring you glad tidings. There's that word, glad tidings. We're coming up to Christmas. That word glad tidings means good news. In other words, it's the announcement of the near approach of the promised, long looked for salvation and kingdom of God. And, and this Gabriel comes and says, I bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be on mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. You will be put on mute. So Gabriel was, a, uh, not Gabriel, Zacharias was about to be put on mute. And why? Why did God mute Zacharias? Because God knows the power of words. Remember, words have creative power and destructive power. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God knows the power of our words. He, he created the heavens and the earth by the power of his words. In John 1, 1, oh, go read John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then we go down to verse 14 and it says, the word that's Jesus became flesh and dwelt amongst us. There's so much value put to the word of God. Jesus and the word are one. Jesus and the word are one. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's time for this word, for us to flesh out this word in our lives. To believe what God says. All things were created by him. All things by the words that God spoke. So God knows the power of words. And that's why Zacharias was put on mute. Because Zacharias had the power to negate, to hinder, and to deter prophecies that had been made 
400 years earlier, in fact even 700 years earlier in some cases, about John the Baptist, about the forerunner for Jesus. If you look in Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, in the very last chapter, in the very last few verses, Malachi 4 verses 5 and 6, written 400 years earlier to this event. This is what it says. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And here we go. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. This is exactly what the angel had just said about Zacharias' son, John. In Isaiah 9 too, remember last week we spoke about how Jesus is our gloom buster. Remember how the, the people were walking around in, in darkness, in the shadow of death, in the land of the shadow of death. That was written 700 years before Christ. And it goes on and it says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. And Zacharias prophesies this exact scripture over his son, John the Baptist. Once the mute was removed, once he was taken off mute, he gives, gives this amazing prophecy, these words that he speaks over his son. And in it, he, he, he quotes in Luke 1, 76 to 79, he says, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So why was Zacharias put on mute? Because his words had the power to delay the coming of the Messiah. That's powerful. His words, the words that he was speaking, had the power to delay the coming of the Messiah. You know, without Zacharias, there would be no John the Baptist. Without John the Baptist, there's no forerunner announcing Messiah's coming. And if there's no forerunner announcing Messiah's coming, then Old Testament prophecies wouldn't be fulfilled. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's the power of the words. In fact, God would have had to have raised somebody else up in place of John the Baptist to be the forerunner for Messiah. I'm just going to take a sip of water. <coughs> but God's timing is perfect. God's timing is perfect. Galatians 4.4 says that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And the fullness of time had come. This was God's timing. So, it, and his timing worked perfectly with the birth of John the Baptist and the immaculate conception of Jesus Christ. Mary conceiving by the Holy Spirit, the, 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 um, the seed of Jesus Christ. The angel had said to, to Zacharias, he said, my words will be fulfilled in their own time. So the only thing, the only option open was to mute Zacharias. Our words have power. Our, we have power to build up and power to tear down. And God 
disempowered Zacharias by putting him on mute. That's what disempowered him for nine months. Perhaps you've got a health issue. And I just want to ask, are you declaring wholeness and healing and completeness and healing over your body? Or if you're in a financial situation, are you declaring God's provision over and blessing over your circumstances? Or are you magnifying the problem? Could it be that you are muting your own miracle by the words you're speaking because of the power of our words? You know what? We have a choice. We can either mute our mouth or mute our miracle. But the choice is ours. You know, all throughout this, the, the underlying thing has got to be, it's, it's around faith. And if for any reason you feel that you're not in faith, then it's best you mute your mouth. And I say this with a lot of love, okay? I'm not saying it in a condemning way. In fact, I've made a note to myself, say this with love, <laughs> because that can come across as pretty harsh. But we need to assess where we are. It's no good thinking that we're somewhere else when we're not. Okay, and, the, and, and there's no shame in it. But just assess where you are and ask God to help you. I'll help you. Chris and I will help you. We'll do what we can to get you into faith. But it's no good thinking that you're somewhere if you're not. So we need to assess where we are. But if we're not in faith, then mute our mouth. Don't say words that you will regret later. Rather, rather mute it. Don't say words. Don't say those things. Just mute your mouth. Don't say them. And sometimes the promises of God can seem slow. But remember, God's timing is perfect. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his own son. Delay is not denial. Okay. There might be a, there might be a timing but through faith and patience we inherit the promises. But we need to... Mute our mouth. If we're not in faith, mute our mouth. And sometimes we start, best to start off with the small things. Practice muting on small things. You know what, what do I mean by that is we don't need to relive every disappointment in our lives. Let's rather mute it. I tell you, this is something God's been telling me, dealing with me in a big way. Zip the lip, just zip it. What's the point of reliving a disappointment? You're just speaking words of, you know, discouragement. Does anybody really want to be more discouraged during this coronavirus thing? I don't think so. Let's start believing what God says and start believing the word again. Start believing the promises. You know what, Zacharias at this time, you know what, he had a one in 20,000 chance of being of the lot being drawn there were thousands of priests available to go and burn incense and um but he had a one in twenty thousand chance of being selected and he was selected this is like the highlight of his career i mean can you imagine what this must have meant on his cv you know just i mean goodness me you know the lot fell on me and i went to burn incense 
and he should have exited that temple on a high. You know, I mean, he should have been filled with the presence of God. But instead, he came out mute. Oh, unable to declare the blessing of the Lord over God's people. He should have come out there and spoken number six over those people. He should have said, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. But he couldn't. He couldn't speak. He was muted. He was on mute. And for the first time in recorded history, he, had, he played the first game of charades. He had to gesture what had happened in the temple. So we need to learn the importance of being silent, <laughs> of muting ourselves. If we cannot respond in agreement with God, then mute our mouths. Listen to what Proverbs 17, 28 says from the New Living. I love this. It's actually quite comical. It says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> I like that one. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. I tell you what, I'm just going to come into land and I just want to encourage you this with the, with, with the tail end of the story that all is not lost with Zacharias. He makes a comeback. You know what? After a long pregnant pause, okay, excuse the pun, it was nine months, this long pregnant pause, after the birth of John, um, God unmuted him. And you know what? He, the Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke this beautiful prophecy. It's long, it's long, it's quite about 11 verses long. And he prophesies about Jesus and he prophesies about his son, John the Baptist. But Zacharias immediately moved on with God. He didn't look back. He didn't consider that a failure. God put him on the shelf for nine months, yes. But God's plan came to pass. But Zacharias moved on. He didn't look back. He didn't allow this event, these nine months, to define him. And I think this is a timely message for the season that we're in. You know, more than ever, we need to, we need to apply this in every area of our lives, be it our health, be it our finances, be it relationships, be it our mental health, where we need peace in our hearts, peace in our minds. We need to declare the word of God over our lives. We need to start speaking the promises of God over our situations. Take yourself off mute. Get your faith back up. Get your faith back up. Start declaring the word of God over your situation. Towards the end of this chapter, we look at Mary's response. The angel Gabriel goes and visits Mary in her house in Nazareth. We ascertained that this morning on our Zoom call, that Mary was in Nazareth when Gabriel called on her. And he knew her postcode there too. And he knew her name. And he appeared to her and he declared, and he spoke those amazing words over her life. And remember with Mary, there was no precedent there was no one, no one had conceived immaculate conception ever. Never had and never will again. 
Mary was the only one that this had ever happened to. This young teenage girl, 14 years old, whatever her age was, and her response to the angel of the Lord was, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. Not let it be to me according to my circumstances. Or and not let it be to me according to my past experiences. It was let it be to me according to your word. Family church, make this your make this your declaration over 2020. Let's finish this year strong. Let's go into 2021 declaring this over our lives, declaring this over relationships, finances, jobs, every aspect of our lives. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's just close in prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that your word is spirit and life, that it brings life to us. Thank you, Lord, for faith that arises in your people. Thank you, Lord, that we can have open hearts to receive your promises in our lives. And we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, Sunday night local. Declare over your life, let it be to me according to your word.